You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with a roundtable consisting of Beth, Lisa, and Jason, and we talk magic systems. This was a lot of fun to record and get to talk with uh, the three of them about magic systems, and I hope you enjoy it half as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi, everyone. I'm here with the first roundtable episode for Under a Pile of Books, and I'm excited because I think we've got a a great group here to discuss uh, a really fun topic whenever it comes to fantasy. So let me introduce uh, the panel, as it were, to get started. Uh, So first, uh, there's Beth from Before We Go blog. Uh, Hey, Beth. Hi, how you doing? Second, uh, we have Lisa from Way Too Fantasy. Hey, Lisa. Hello, how are you? And then finally, uh, we have Jason from Off the TBR. Hey, Jason. Hey, it's good to be back. So uh, welcome to all three of you, and thank you so much for being willing to, to come on and talk uh, with me and with one another about uh, our, our topic tonight is magic systems. So, uh, you know, magic systems kind of play uh, a big role in not all fantasy, but a lot of fantasy out there, um, or even if they're not uh, like a hard magic system, there's still magical elements to uh, many, many, many fantasy books. And so uh, to start us off, kind of get the ball rolling here. First question uh, for each of you, what are some of your favorite magic systems and why? And anyone can can uh, jump in and, and go. All right, well, I'll jump in fast. I, I feel like uh, probably I'm not going to be the only one that, that would add this one, and I feel like it's almost uh, a must on any magic system list, and it's going to be uh, Sanderson's Mistborn uh, oh, series. <laughs> right? Well, I figured one of us is going to have to have to go with it first. but um, And I thought that would be the case, that there would be at least a couple of us who would list that one. Uh, just the whole push pull you know magical the the metal and the alloy aspect mm-hmm. of of his magic system and sets kind of a, a new modern standard for fantasy magic i think yeah it's brilliant it's original and it's brilliant it was it was a great treat to read that book or that series i should say yeah um i guess i'll kind of jump in um i I feel like the odd person out because <laughs> I usually don't pay that much attention to magic systems when I'm reading, even though I read most the fan- mostly fantasy. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say like my old standard would be Harry Potter, just because I like wands and I like spells. Yep. And uh, I, I feel like that's like the most magic when I think of magic is is Harry Potter. So... I was actually really curious uh, if anyone was going to bring up Harry Potter because I think uh, that's actually this really neat example of what really is like a, a like a more traditional magic system. Uh, you know, in in that like you know there are like wizards and witches and they cast spells or hexes and that kind of thing, uh, which uh, which we actually don't don't necessarily see a lot of uh in much fantasy at least sort of modern fantasy but but uh, so i want to get there in a second but 
I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, uh, Jason and, and Beth, you were kind of talking about Mistborn there. And for you, what sort of maybe elevates Mistborn in terms of its magic over, say, one of Sanderson's other uh, worlds or, or systems, you know, either Warbreaker or the Stormlight Archive or whatever? I was going to say Warbreaker was, you know, but the thing with the colors was okay, pretty yeah. cool, too. Um, I don't know. I, I thought Mistborn, the, the whole Allomancy thing, was just very original. You don't you don't see, like, bits and pieces taken from other books. It's mm, just a mm-hmm. very, very original, interesting idea to involve metals. You know, and the ingesting makes you be able to do something. So it's just, yeah. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, and I'll have to admit at the outset, too, that I haven't read all of Sanderson's works. Um, but taking that idea, you know, picking up what, what Beth said, taking that idea of uh, ingesting metal, ingesting something, and having that be the source of your your magical power, uh, it was just interesting, you know, taking something that, I'd, I'd taken a break from reading and reading fantasy for a little while, for a few years, and so coming back into it, I almost immediately fell into to Sanderson's books, and um, it was just sort of new and fresh for me. Uh, and, I, and I'll touch back on the Harry Potter piece a little bit. What I had read a lot of prior to that was fantasy based upon um, uh, like role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that that kind of fantasy falls more in line with the Harry Potter, where you've got uh, spells and spell books and and wands and other types of you know magical items that you would use to cast spells and i was very used to that and so then shifting over to what sanderson was doing with mistborn uh again you know felt very very you know new and fresh and kind of super interesting to me um and i don't want to tack onto this too because a part two of what i was thinking about with with him is sort of what the idea of whether or not he's sort of established kind of a new fantasy school of, of magic. And I'm thinking uh, in particular of Brian McClellan's books, that uh, the Powder Mage trilogy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, his magic system seems to piggyback right off of what Sanderson was doing. Uh, in this case, though, like ingesting gunpowder as as another kind of element that you're, you're ingesting in order to um, uh, cast your magic and it seems like you know, we kind of see a theme of this now in in fantasy now and that maybe I don't know if Sanderson was the first but he seems like the one that I, I look to as sort of the the one that kicked it off that that it's actually interesting you mentioned that I um have have any of the three of you had the opportunity to read um beggar's rebellion I haven't okay I haven't okay it's it's a it's self-published, yeah, because it's in it's in this year's um, SPFBO, and I read it, really enjoyed it quite a bit, and it has a very Sanderson-esque magic system where the magic actually is fueled not by ingesting metal like in Mistborn, but actually by ingesting um, certain types of food, which essentially give you like nutrients right the the magical nutrients that your body can then use to do magical things um so it's it's very reminiscent of sanderson but yet goes in kind of some different directions and it's interesting jason that you kind of look at that and say maybe there's a 
you know, a little bit of a, a genre or subgenre of magic system that Sanderson has sort of started there. I could see that. Yeah, I'd be curious to take a look at that and see how many other authors and how many other books go down that road. The one one thing I think that McClellan, you know, because if you're going to do that, you've got to have something unique and change something up about it. One thing I liked that McClellan did is this idea. And it was a question. I think when I wrote my review of his first book, it I, I noted how the in fantasy, I'd always kind of wondered what happens if society uh, um, progresses, you know, like what, what happens in a world like that where society and, and technology progresses. Mm-hmm. And in his world, the magic system progresses with technology. So they go from, you know, swords and bladed weapons to having black powder weapons. And the magic system evolves as well so that they eventually, once the black powder weapons come into play, they discover they can use magic through black powder that they didn't know previous to that. And it was this idea that the, the magic system progresses as technology progresses. And I th- thought that was an interesting take, too, in, in a fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I have two magic systems that, that, like, right off the top of my head, I thought were really great, aside from Mistborn. Um, have you guys read the Libiromancer books by mm. uh, Jim Hines? No, I don't. I don't think I have. No, I haven't read them, but I do have one in my pile. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have not either. So those books are a lot of fun because the whole the whole premise is that you conjure magic by reading books. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a bit of a bibliophile, it's kind of a, you know, a great extension of your, you know, dreams of being able to read something and just conjure it. So is that like a modern urban type fantasy or what's the setting for um, that? No, I'd say it's more urban fantasy. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. Um, I know it takes place in the library and I think he's a, a librarian. I just remember that it's being so cool and so interesting because, you know, you, you've got this power and you can read these books and you can pull the ideas out of the books and manifest them. Like you're reading a book about a dragon, you have the power to pull the dragon out of the book. Hmm. And so it's it's infinite, the possibilities, just depending upon what you're reading. Wow. Yes. I'm it's, really intrigued by this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the, um, the Magic Ex Libris series. If you want to read it, there's a whole bunch of them. See, Calvin, this is what happens every time I listen to one of your one of your broadcasts <laughs> is sometime, somewhere, somebody says something. And I've got to buy at least one or two more books. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it, believe it or not, I have exactly the same problem. Anytime uh, someone comes on the podcast, they they say something about some book. And then I don't know. I find myself reading some black powder fantasy with airships, Jason. So <laughs> uh-huh. I know how that works. So you said it's ex libris, right? Yeah, it's the Magic Ex Libris series, and the author is Jim Hines. All right. And, and the first book is um, Libriomancer. It's on the list. Yeah, there we go. it's it's a fun, fun idea. You know, and you know, in the first one, he's fighting vampires. You know, it's a, he's like he's reading it and he's pulling cudgels out of the books and you know, motorcycles and, you know, whatever he can get his hands on with the books. Oh, man. 
Lisa, <laughs> is there a, is there a is there a, a vampire square on this year's book bingo? Yes, there is. And actually, <laughs> I've just found my book square. I'm actually doing an all vampire themed card this year. So I'm trying to find books for, yeah, it's crazy because I'm like, okay, I need a book that has an AI and a vampire. Um, but yeah, so uh, vampires, I'm down for that, definitely. I've read a lot of <laughs> urban fantasy. Oh, Same. man. This is great. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> the other magic system that, that came to mind right off, right off the bat is the Belgariad. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That's going the, back. The word, I mean, it's, it's such a simple, perfect, you know, concept. It can be so complex when you write it. You know, you, you, you've got this power. You have an image in your mind of what you want to do, and you manifest the ability to do it. But, you know, then you get the Belgariad out of it. Yeah, you know, you know I had not thought of the Belgariad um, when, I was, when, I, when I was kind of thinking through some of my own uh, favorite magic systems. But, you know, to, to me, that's like a class. Not only is it a classic series but but the the kind of the way the magic works in that is really classic and it has one of the most um like there's one scene uh i can't remember because i only ever had the omnibus edition so it was like in the third yeah. book or something second book i don't know but uh there's there's one right where where you you learn that you know you can't the one of the things you cannot do with the magic is just will something out of existence Right. Right. Yeah. You can't just you can't just say be not because bad things happen. Namely, the the magic rebounds on you. And mm -hmm. there's there's a scene where we kind of see that. And uh, I was just like it, it, that scene still like um, sticks in my mind. Like like I can see the scene playing out even though it's been. I mean, my goodness, it's probably been 10 years since I've even reread uh, the Belgariad, maybe more than that. So uh, so that that's I, I love it when magic plays a part in the plot in such a way that it just like sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that series actually helped introduce me to fantasy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like the pawn of the prophecy. Mm hmm. <laughs> I just. I, I hadn't read, I, so I started out with like science fiction, you know, I, hard classic science fiction. And I hadn't read a lot of fantasy and I read the Lord of the Rings, the whole Lord of the Rings series. And then I read the Belgariad and that, that's like, oh, opened up this whole new world. <laughs> fantasy <laughs> <novel>. <laughs> And then it's just gone from there. But yeah. It was one of my my first big series that I read in fantasy that introduced me to it and how amazing it could be. Oh, that's that's really cool. Hey, you, you know, mentioning sci-fi got got me thinking about as we were as I was kind of taking notes for this before we started. Um, what about this? You know, we mentioned Sanderson, I mentioned McClellan, some of these other things. Um, and what about the notion that kind of goes kicked around every now and then it says the moment you have to explain your magical system you're no longer in fantasy but you're in science fiction mm. you have thoughts about that 
Um, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, that's a thought, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I know that uh, I had talked with a couple of my friends before, and we were talking about the only difference really between science fiction and fantasy is that um, one of them, the technology is doing the job, and the other one, magic, is doing the job. So, um, I mean, I think there's definitely, like, a connection there. I don't know if there's uh, – just because you have to explain a magic system necessarily makes it um, science fiction because there's still that unknown factor of how it actually works that you don't get to see. Even if you know, okay, well, if I eat this metal, then I can do things with it, you know, then I have powers. But you don't know, like, exactly – what's happening you know so i think for me it's still magic mm -hmm. does that make sense i guess <laughs> yeah you know when i first met i mentioned it to my daughter before we got on this and she got very offended by the idea and she was like well why does that not still be fantasy you know <laughs> i thought you know i think maybe at some fundamental level you just sort of know it is or it isn't but i've heard that kicked around some and i i've wondered about it and yeah i was just curious what y'all thought yeah I I love it science fiction readers want to know the why of something you know like mm -hmm. how something works because that kind of creates the universe in uh, science fiction because that's that's a big part of it and maybe a bit more than fantasy so maybe that's an extension when you start to explain the why of something and how something works it's the same sort of mechanism that you would find in science fiction mm -hmm. but yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I think, I think that's a really good point because uh, to some extent, I think, I mean, so I love hard magic systems or what people call hard magic systems, right? Where, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, like Sanderson, classic example of this, you know, we've got charts in the back of his book to explain all the different metal com combinations and not only how that works with, um, you know, allomancy, but how it works with, uh, whatever the other one is called that I read in books, but don't know how to pronounce. Um, <laughs> um, Sazed, the stuff with the metal mines and stuff. Uh, what What is that? Anyway, whatever that one is called, uh, you, you know, they're using all these different metals and different alloys and stuff. So I love that kind of stuff, right? To me, that makes a whole lot of sense, but I think I like it so much because I read science fiction started reading science fiction almost at the same time that I started reading fantasy. And so, you know, to me, that's kind of a, like, I want to know why I want to know how it works. And so I like those harder magic systems, but I will say Jason, to your initial kind of question or comment or whatever, I don't know if it's explaining the magic system that maybe starts to blur the lines, but I do think we, we run in sometimes to uh, science fiction that has uh, fantastical elements uh, as well as fantasy that has technological elements that do start to blur the line a little bit. I think a lot of your, and this is maybe more common in anime than in novels, but it certainly happens in novels, your Magitech kind of stuff, mm -hmm. either steampunk or like crystal Mm -hmm. punk tech that kind of thing 
where you're using magic to fuel a technology, you know, Final Fantasy does this all the time, yeah. uh, really kind of starts to blur the lines, I think, between fantasy and science fiction uh, in, in what I think are interesting ways. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think it's kind of fun to blend those genres. On the other side, of course, you have something like Star Wars. I mean, you know, the Jedi are just, you know, they're, they're wizards with swords, which is really awesome. Um, but even something like, say, Mass Effect, right, where you have the this kind of bionic tech or whatever, um, you know, telekinesis, you know, you can use powers that are quite magical, even though it's in a, in a science fiction kind of setting. And I think that sometimes the lines start to get blurred. And I like genres that, that kind of do that and play with that a little bit. I don't know how everyone else feels about that, but, but I like them. Yeah, oh. um... I definitely love stuff like that. I love things that combine technology and and magic. Um, one of the things that I had jotted down actually to bring up later, but I can bring it up now because it's relevant, is um, I don't know if any of you have read Gwendolyn Clare's Ink, Iron, and Glass. It's a YA um, novel. It's actually a duology. And in that, there's uh, some people that are born with the power and there's three different powers that they can be born with either they can um, become scriptologist um, machinist or alchemist and basically they be have a superpower that will make them really good at that and a scriptologist they actually will write in books and bring that world to life and they can use it to write about a place that they already exists and as long as they give it enough detail, they can make a portal to that place, but they can also make completely made up worlds and um, then make a portal to that world and then go and live in that world as long as they make it detailed enough so that they can live there. And then you have the machinists who are basically making all kinds of cool things with steampunk to the point where they have a house that basically has a, an AI that runs the house through steam technology it's it's really some wild stuff and um so it's combined it's co combining a couple of things there you've got like the magic and technology working together and then you've also got the whole trope of people being born with certain powers so um i mean i really enjoy that type of stuff because um i'm i'm a, like a person that loves genre mashing so i kind of love seeing combinations of things it sounds really neat. Yeah, no, I haven't read that. It did remind me, though, thinking of something very, very new that, that when you mentioned the, uh, is it the scriptologist? You know, writing mm -hmm. magic into being indoors, and that was um, Ten Thousand Doors of January, where oh, okay. she's able to to do that, right? Like she can write, and and there's doors, there's portals to other worlds, and she can create doors, and um, so uh, it's interesting to see how many of those you know similar elements continue on in other books by other authors. Well, I'm I'm gonna need you all to to stop mentioning books that I haven't read yet. Um, <laughs> I'm like writing a whole list. I'm. <laughs> Ten thousand doors of January is a is a brilliant book. Oh yes, it's a beautiful book. Everyone has uh, said this this um, to me like over the past I don't know month or so as as you know, reviews were coming out from, from arcs and stuff that people had. And I have never regretted not mashing the button on NetGalley before. <laughs> um, 
but I do, I do with this book now. Um, so, you know, you know, it is what it is, but what, what that means, Calvin, is you'll be that one person who doesn't like it, right? Like everyone else, you know, loves it. And you'll be the one who doesn't for some, for some strange is, reason. That is the worst thing though, because like when I, when I read a book, this, this happened to me earlier in the year with a book actually that, that a lot of people liked, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people liked, and I ended up DNFing it and, uh, I was just like, I have to be really quiet about this because like everyone's going to get angry with me. <laughs> so oh, I ran into that too with Gideon the ninth. Oh, I, I tried so hard for Gideon the ninth and I, I mean, it's a cool, cool concept. I love the, like the, this goth type world, you know, I, it's just, there's just something about the, I don't know the the main character and the way that it was presented, mm -hmm. I just, I just could not connect with that book. I, I gave it a, I gave it like 50% and I just, I just couldn't connect with it. I'm so glad it connected with lots of other people and that's wonderful. But that's like, that's my book. <laughs> I read yep. recently that everybody loved and I just couldn't do it. I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, <laughs> we actually, uh, for a while, it's it's uh, now defunct, but I uh, I reviewed for a uh, site um, called Book Dragon's Nest with um, Sean Bars and um, Caitlin uh, from Realms of My Mind, and uh, Caitlin and I actually did a uh, like a a dueling review uh, of oh gosh what uh, uh, the Ruin of Kings. Uh, which came out, you know, early in the, in the year. And, uh, she, she had something like, um, she, she really enjoyed it quite a bit. I not so much. And, uh, so it was, it was really kind of fun to, uh, have kind of her opinion and my opinion, like kind of right next to one another and, uh, and kind of, interacting about that it, it was it was just kind of a really cool thing that we did so that's it for this episode but it's not the end of our conversation lisa beth jason and i continued talking magic and fantasy and in the coming days you're going to get part two as a whole separate episode i hope you enjoy it